What is up and welcome back to 24 Minutes of A24, the podcast that takes a look at the A24 library 24 minutes at a time. I'm Ethan Simi and uh, just Ethan Simi. There is no Ben Lawhorn on this week's episode of the pod. Ben is traveling. He's seeing the world. He's taking a very luxurious cruise through Japan, um, which Ooh. may or may not be better than this podcast. I yet to be seen. We'll see when he gets back, see how that mm. works out. Um, but in his place... I've brought on a returning guest, best friend of the podcast, Alden Diaz, to talk about a a movie that uh, is really kind of the first revisiting that we are doing of a film. Mm. Alden, welcome to the pod. How you doing, man? I'm really good. I'm just wondering now, do I get to go on the Japanese cruise after <laughs> and, and really see which one's better? Do you, do you guys always bring your friends <laughs> on vacation too? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, no, really happy to be here. I was excited when you, when you hit me up to talk about this one again, mostly because I know you don't often revisit things, uh, if ever. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's it's been, I think your notes say a year, so I'm going to trust you um, yeah. since we talked about it, which is crazy. Um, yeah, that it's been that long, and so yeah, it's interesting to to look back on it. Absolutely. So this is a uh, a listener requested episode. So one of our Twitter followers at KFids um, shout out uh, came in third place in our Oscar uh, predictions uh, contest, pretty much that we had, and third place got you a, a an episode request, and so he requested that we cover a most violent year. Um, I'm going to read the logline to the movie very quickly. In New York City, 1981, an ambitious immigrant fights to protect his business and family during the most dangerous year in the city's history. As is the case with most of our podcast, spoilers are ahead for a most violent year. Um, came out in 2014, so I feel like, you know, we're, we're right on that 10-year cusp almost, so I feel like we're okay just diving spoilers first. You know, if you've... Yeah, uh, absolutely. You haven't seen the movie. It's streaming on HBO Max right now. You can go check it out. That's how I watched it. Um, so you're right, Alden. It has been nearly a year, episode 36 to be exact. Wow. And I, th- I think we're on like 88 now, 89 wow. this might even be. Um, so May of 2022, you were also on for that podcast. And so I figured, you know what? We're revisiting. It is um, technically only the second movie we've ever revisited. We've done two episodes on everything everywhere all at once initially when it came out and then when it was in the um best picture conversation for the oscars Mm, this is the first official like revisiting of a film and i wanted to have you back because i know you love this movie and um i'm excited to talk about it i don't know if you can remember i didn't go back and listen do you remember how you rated this movie last time did you were you were you singing some praises or were you down a little bit about it I was definitely singing praises. Now, how I literally rated it, I'm not <laughs> sure because I know the rating system changed. Right, we uh, did. And, and it used to be not looser, but th- they used yeah. to be less defined as ranking titles. So you're going to have to refresh me. I probably gave it whichever one is the top one. Sure. Um, probably. Yeah, I I think it was good time. I honestly, I can barely remember our old ranking system. Yeah. Um I believe it was like it was like first cow. I think was the the best mm. that you could go. We had a good time, um, and then we had a, a farewell, um, which you know was um, kind of not really enjoying the film. So Ben rated this one a farewell. I gave it a good time. We now have a new rating structure, as you mentioned, A through F twenty four. So I'm curious at the end of this conversation where we're gonna kind of land on this. Um, now this 
movie from 2014 stars Oscar Isaac, Jessica Chastain. I'm curious to start this conversation off. Do you think that this movie is underrated within the A24 library? Because I just frankly don't see people ever talking about this movie ever. No. No one does. I, again, I think I told this story a little bit, so it's a little bit repetitive for longtime listeners, but I found this as my local movie stop was going out of business. Yes. And I bought it strictly because I think at that point we already knew Oscar Isaac was going to be in Star Wars. So I was trying to mm. consume more Oscar Isaac stuff. And I was like, who is this guy? You know, and I already knew Jessica Chastain from like Zero to Dark Thirty. Um, and I thought, wow, look at this. This is going to be like a great crime movie that we all talk about. These two are on the rise. <laughs> no one talks about it. Um, I do think it's underrated. I wonder if within the catalog of A24, if part of that is because there's a certain uh, shine, a certain explosiveness, a certain punch that they tend mm-hmm. to have, mm-hmm. um, whether that's in science fiction, whether that's in horror and uh, or in crime like this is not uncut gems intense in your face um make your blood boil this is definitely about the implications like the the brilliance of the title of most violent year is that it's really not that at all it's it's hanging over the characters Mm -hmm. and i wonder if this was released um as a streaming film maybe now uh if it would have a different reception Yeah, you know, I think that brings up a really good point because I think we mentioned, um, and I'm just kind of looking through here at the list of A24 films. So this was released um, on December 31st of 2014, which is a little interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's in like the first 15 or 20 movies that A24 produced. I mean, they started back in February of 2013. um, And soon after this is when Ex Machina, or I guess soon before is when Ex Machina kind of got uh it's it's start uh just a few movies later in the catalog so that to me is kind of like the very first entry into like oh a24 sci-fi kind of weird things get a little dicey um and you kind of have these big moments so i i think in terms of that it definitely is underrated if not strictly for the fact that it came really early like people just didn't know what they were getting their hands on i think last time we talked about this one of the questions i posed and if not, I'm, I'm posing it now. Um, I'm curious if this movie might fare better as an eight-part miniseries, as a ten-part miniseries, right? I, I think yeah. it could be a very fascinating case study because of the slow burn and the high drama and the um, ultimate kind of deep character studies that we start to embrace, but we don't get that time. So we don't really get to that deep level that a show might give us. Yeah. If this was airing, you know, after succession or something like you got to yeah. wonder how it would be. And, um, these two performers mm-hmm. reunited on TV. Um, and so it's like that you would have no issue there. This could, it could be the same and, and give it the, give it the, the depth and sort of the, the breadth to really to stretch. It's interesting to think about what in the story too would change with that mm-hmm. amount of time where I, I, you know, I would have to, do a little research to find some interviews or talk to the man myself or the JC uh, Chandor. But like, is the fact that the violence is mostly implied because of yeah. the constraints of a movie. If this had the eight episodes and it was, you know, 45 minutes to an hour a piece, would we see some 
really crazy, you know, yep. water cooler online Twitter moments, you know, that everybody loves. Yeah. And especially if you get someone like HBO to finance something like this, you could mm-hmm. really start to see um, something a, a little bit more boundary pushing. And you bring up how the violence is kind of all around our main character of Abel or Oscar Isaac. Um, and there's a very particular moment. We will talk about it in the true cinema slate of things. He basically says, I never I never wanted to be a gangster. And, and now I basically am. And I think that storyline would be fascinating with where this movie ends to then see his rise into violence. Because really, we just get a brief introduction into this forced violence that he might have to partake in. Blood is on his hands in one fashion or another, and he is resisting the violence around him. Um, So I would love like an eight-part miniseries um, if we could like redo this. That being said, I still think this movie's quite good. Um, We we will get into it. We'll kind of do some high level. But before that, we had a a specific request from KFIDS um, about this movie talking about the score and the composer, Alex Ebert. Now, he is the lead singer and songwriter for two bands, actually, for Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros and Emo Robot. The score mm. for this movie, influenced by the culture and life of the 1980s, specifically Miami Vice and Scarface. Um, and then there's, there's one quote from him I wanted to pull real fast. It says, it's a synthesis of sort of calling card themes and extended atmospheres there's horns and flutes and strings, but there's also sort of these meditative synthetic beds underlying. When I revisited this movie, and I'm really grateful that that KFIDS called this out to talk about the score and look at it, mm. I think it's I think it's like just scrumptious. I think it is a delicious yeah. score for this, and it is ultimately very tone setting. How do yes. you feel about the, the the score for this movie? Tone setting's right. And when I again, like you, I was like, okay. When I think about it, it's been years, but I, I, it's not something I thought about. So let's try to push other aspects, you know, to the background and really mm-hmm. try to listen to the film. And it's so atmospheric, and I think it does a really good job of getting in touch with characters and conveying a lot of what we're not seeing, conveying mm-hmm. a lot of the internal struggle. Um, and it, it almost it as as the corruption sort of sets in. Um, you can feel the score really start to come alive. Like it's a very, um, that 80s stuff that he talks about where, where, you know, the crime was really bubbling in Miami Vice or in Scarface. Like when we get there, we really get there. And, mm-hmm. and by the end, it does feel like a little like significantly more explosive than it was at the beginning. A hundred percent. And there's a very key kind of score that happens, um, during a very kind of electric scene at the end that is absolutely roaring, there's one thing with the score I did want to bring up before we before we start diving really kind of deeper into this movie. Um, there's a scene in the very beginning when Abel is kind of overlooking the city skyline. That's the first introduction we get um, really to him as a character and him trying to ultimately chase this thing, this idea, this American dream um, that he doesn't have. And that stems to owning the property that is across the river from him so he can import his oil directly. He has more tankers to store his oil. Right. All of these um, very technical things that are beneficial. And the score in that moment when he's overlooking that city skyline and that piece of property is so 
hopeful and it is so mesmerizing Mm -hmm. and like you said it kind of creates this own little meditative space and um i just think that's something that goes really overlooked in in a movie like this um and again like it does really set the pace and the tone of this movie um what did you think think overall of the film before we dive into true cinema what's your general take on the movie my general take is that as I've revisited it now a couple times and it's been a year since the last time, mm-hmm. I really appreciate the sort of confidence that this team, JC Chandor and A24 and this team had in the actors to sort of play it like theater a lot of the time. Like it they really are, I think, the best part of it, whether it's Isaac or Chastain or, or Albert Brooks and like just the way that they they all fit together. Um, really stuck out to me. And then once I started focusing on the score as well, they they are in sync really, really well. It's mm-hmm. it's a very uh this sounds like um like not a compliment, like when you're not sure how to but it but it really I do mean it. It's so solid and like just well crafted. Like mm-hmm. I don't think this is a movie where you can say like some of its peers in this genre, like Oh, it's that scene or, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's the tracking shot that everybody loves or that's the dolly zoom that everybody loves or this is the, the kill that everybody loves. It's not that it's all simmering. And Mm -hmm. so you sort of have to lock in uh, with the characters. And and there's a point that we're going to talk about later about a, about an almost star of the movie um, that makes me thinking about that makes me sort of more uh, solid in this point that I, that I'm, I'm glad it was Oscar Yep. Because I think that he's really, really good at behind the eyes acting. And I think with him, that's that's sort of a microcosm for the whole movie. Um, is that it's not going to have some Shakespearean speech or some loud Joe Pesci character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just somebody trying really hard to affect the world around them, but not break while they do it. Mm-hmm. I think in conjunction with everything that we've been talking about so far, the, the splashy um, life that A24 has created with their new projects and the, you know, kind of simmering tone of this movie. I think that in particular is kind of why this movie does fly under the radar a lot because it clocks in a little over two hours and there is no, there's no, you know, peak moment leading into the third act of madness, right? There's yeah. no like, you don't build to anything in particular. Yes, there is um, a violent act to kind of finish out the film that is exceptionally telling um, of, you know, of our character, Abel and his family. But outside of that, it is a simmering film. It is an exceptionally slow burn Mm -hmm. that doesn't have a, a grandiose monologue, even though that might be kind of fun. I don't know, but I, I love this world that they've created and it is so, focused like it's so hyper focused on this one man and his his oil business essentially his yeah. his gas business and um i just think that's a really interesting take on this movie and i i really appreciate it for that for me and i read a review that that helped influence this this thought or kind of evolutionize this thought a little bit hmm. it is an it is an exceptionally solid three and a half star thriller like it is, mm-hmm. it is very good at what it comes to do. It doesn't have anything flashy that might take it to the next level. Um, the 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 script is, while it is strong, there 
are a couple of weak points that you could point to and say a pass here or there would have been a little bit more beneficial, some more time in this scene or what have you. But it does what it sets out to do very efficiently, very well, and then very strongly. And um, we we talked about a newer A24 movie, Sharper, last week on the pod, that is mm. also a thriller. And it is a complete 180 from this movie. It is quick. It is neck-bending neck twists. It is a very in-your-face score. It is everything the opposite of this. I like this movie a lot more because of these simmering aspects of it. Um, I want to ask you a very particular question now yes. that we're kind of talking about the movie itself. Mm-hmm. Fo- focuses on a on a property deal, essentially, right? Abel is trying to acquire this property across from him, and it takes the entire movie to kind of get there. How do you know? Do you have an idea? How much did this property cost? Because I'm, I think I've done the math right, but I'm genuinely curious. I might have messed something up. I want to know what, like, what did Abel have at stake here? You know, how how much money are we playing with? I'm I'm not sure. Now I pulled up here. Now you right. So you asked me. So I I had here notes. One point five million is uh-huh. the fuel oil terminal on the East River. Um. So I believe that that's it. That's the only number that stuck out to me. Um, okay. But he, and yeah, later on, with the stolen oil stuff, he's still six hundred thousand short. Right. So I'm curious because the movie starts with one briefcase full of cash, and he kind of that's his deposit. He mentions that it's a forty percent deposit on the land. Mm. Now, with everything he had to get afterwards, it seemed like. A million and a half dollars he still needed to grab um, is kind of what we see. And he starts taking these like really, you know, predator home loans and coming good on 200K checks from people and asking for 600K here and there and whatever. So I I feel like the I I can't do the quick math, but I feel like it's like 250 or 2.5 mil or something like that. It's got to be like kind of in that range as a total. Um, you, You think it's worth it? I don't know. I I really don't know. I guess I I feel like I'm not in the oil business, so I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I feel so underqualified for the question, but at the same time, I think that's part of what the movie's trying to do. Is that you 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 give something like this where it's like this is not about it. Kind of is later, um, especially with Anna. Like my favorite parts of the movie are anytime that Anna and Abel are clashing in any way. Hundred percent. Just amazing um jessica chastain is my favorite part of the film she's amazing um but i think that you pick something like he's just trying to buy that place and like that's so low stick it's not about like family blood feud or honor or like generations like the godfather it's not it's not that big it's not you know some coke empire where we're gonna shoot him up by the end it's just that thing and why is why the fixation how does that start all of this like we can't even figure out the math. It might just be movie math. Maybe it doesn't <laughs> yeah, add up. Maybe. maybe maybe it's like in in script rewrites. They're like they'll never notice. Nobody will <laughs> ever do the math on this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I yeah. think the that's the power of it is is like pick something that would make the audience say, but just yeah. buy somewhere else. Like, yeah, I know it's right there, but is is the closeness and the convenience really worth all this? Hmm. I think it kind of all ties back to um, a a very particular line that that Abel does say, and he very very convincingly, very strongly 
tells his his new salesman, and we'll mention this um, a little bit later, we are better. He's talking about his oil company. He has a very invested stake in this idea of what being a successful business owner is. And to him, he has to have this expansion. That's his mm-hmm. out of all these you know, federal indictments that are coming, all of these charges that are coming down the road, um, all of the this this back history with Anna's father apparently being a, yeah. a pretty prominent gangster and being pr- pretty prominently in that world, um, his drivers needing to start using violence and being armed. This is like his, I think how he justifies it to himself to say, okay, we can do everything else, but if I, if as long as I get this property my sins are washed. You know, I'm, I'm a clean man because I paid for it cleanly. I initially was going to have a bank loan and I was able to get a loan from other people. I'm a success because I expanded. My business is growing. All of these things. I think that's like how he tells it to himself. One more point before we get into true cinema here. You brought it up. Originally, someone else supposed to be in the Oscar Isaac role. Javier Bardem originally cast for this movie. Oscar Isaac replaces him about six months later. Better movie? Worst movie? How are we faring with Javier? I don't know if worst movie is like how I want to say it, but it's a it's not this movie. I don't think yeah. it can be simmering with Javier. Not that he can't be understated, um, but he's just such a menacing presence. Yeah. Uh, like I think the only time I've ever seen him be somewhat normal and even then it was still kind of toxic and weird it was like vicky christina barcelona mm. um but like you can't this guy javier would be terrified like i i don't think that he has trepidation the way that mm-hmm. oscar can play the anxieties and the the smallness of a bell in this world the justifications that you're talking about which you're spot on about um the slippery slope and you know the road to hell and all that he I think Javier, again, I want to be wrong because he's an amazing actor, <laughs> but I just feel like he'd be like, yeah, arm, arm, the, arm yeah. them. That makes more sense. A hundred percent. And like physicality wise, he's just too big of a guy. He just, yeah. his presence is far too powerful mm-hmm. to be in a role like this. I think of, you say menacing, I think of Skyfall. I think of like his, yeah. his villain, yeah. right? And, and yeah, that monologue, that rap monologue he delivers, like, that would be so delicious to have in a movie like this, maybe to end on a monologue like that. But is that worth the risk of of really overreaching on literally what our character is suffering from, which is the, right. the world crushing around him, right? Exactly, because Abel's a character that wants to affect the world around him, like you said, in legitimate ways, um, mm-hmm. ways that he believes to be legitimate and that he desperately clings to, and the world keeps affecting him. Every time that he thinks he sets the terms, he doesn't. Done. Um, yeah. And the you know, these clashes with the world, with the business, um, you know, these interactions with like David Oyelowo's character, who's great, like those interactions are all different if it's somebody that I believe would have the power in every scene. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. I mean, like, let's let's do that. Let's get our mini series to have Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. We've got to rep- we gotta replace Jessica Chastain with somebody. We're doing a cast reboot. But that'd be kind of fun. That'd be di- totally different. But you know what? We're just making a new show at this point. We're not. Yeah. It's not attached. We're just, to- <laughs> we are now in the rebooting business. Give us money. <laughs> Give us money. Let's make something. <laughs> All right. Let's do our true cinema moments. We'll kind of walk through the movie here. Um, I wanted to put the first one, the first garbage truck theft. We talked about mm-hmm. the score setting the tone. 
this is the first thing we see. We're kind of really thrown into 1981, literally being a most violent year. Happens from the start, and honestly, on, on the rewatch, we know what's going down. First time I saw this, I was like, what? We're, we are really hitting the ground running. Like, what is going on around me? I really appreciate this as the first scene, though. Yeah, I think it's a really smart move, especially with, you know, the people crafting this film knowing that they're going to go for that simmer. You have to hit us up top with something. Mm-hmm. It, like, rocks you like a jab and sort of throws you off your game immediately. And then as you start to settle in, I think you carry, at least I did, and maybe it's rewatches. Maybe that's the full context that's doing this. But I sort of carried the discomfort from this first scene into some of the quieter interactions. Mm. So I think it's well-placed. Could you have started in like a, you know, quiet sort of way and then like ramped up that first day? You could, but then we're ramping up and ramping back down for so long. You know, start here, start hot and end hot, you know, if you're going to do something like this. Totally. And in terms of like Abel's perspective and his point of view, this is exactly how Abel feels for the two hours that we're watching the movie. Mm -hmm. He feels like he's getting fucked at every twist and turn and he can't do anything about it. And that's exactly how we feel as, a, as an audience member to kind of start this. The next one on the list is um, meeting with the police chief. We get more background. We get more information. Widespread corruption in his industry. He's being looked into. And they're probably going to bring charges on him in the next couple of days. Um, I like this scene in general. Like I said, like this movie is a, a solid three and a half star movie. And so I'm trying to like as we go through this, I'm trying to figure out like what could have changed. What would have made me say like, Oh, we got like a pretty, like a four star heater on our hand. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that relationship with the police, I like where it ends. I would have loved a lot more, maybe like grimy sliminess throughout of, of a bell trying to like fend that off as we go. And instead we, we just get really blatant. Like we're going to bring charges to you. We raid your house. And, and at the end, I want some political power. You know what I mean? But oh, but I, I do like the scene. Yeah, it's, it's a good scene. It's well-written. It's well-acted. But I agree. I think if you're going to add punch, this is the area. Um, mm-hmm. So like you're saying, some sliminess or a lot more close calls. Um, yep. Things that, for both parties, you know, and I think that's a way to, because Abel struggles with legitimacy. And so if you have legitimacy sort of breathing down his neck more the entire time um that's you know you could do some like some angel devil stuff um with this world that anna comes from and then with you know with the actual law being more of a of a biting presence throughout i agree that's going in the reboot as well love it yeah put it in the reboot (laughs) (laughs) take our notes right here first draft i love i love that you mentioned that because to me that's exactly why Anna's confession of skimming money from the company hits so damn well yeah. is because it's illegitimate and he has worked his whole life to be legitimate. And the person that he thought he could trust the most is just like everybody else. She's mm-hmm. just trying to survive and she changes because of the system. So maybe at the risk of losing a little bit of that impact in that scene, you can bring some of that to the rest of the movie, I think would be pretty interesting um, I mentioned the training the new the new salespeople. He he mentions that we are better. There's one other quote here. He says, "You will never do anything as hard as staring someone straight in the eye and telling the truth." 
again, his reckoning with legitimacy, there's generally moments in the script where it's it's pretty impressive, where I'm like, wow, this is really getting the point across, and it feels really good. And I like this scene, too, because it shows him strictly as a businessman. He's just he's literally just trying to grow his business. Yeah, yeah, I think that that, that line... Um, is as close, I think, to like the the V line that yeah. you get. Um, it's a great character defining moment, uh, and I think that they do a really good job in general of endearing you to Abel. Um, every time I've watched it, he's somebody that you wish it wouldn't go this way, mm-hmm. which is not usually what happens with gangster movies or with crime movies. Like you know, we mentioned Uncut Gems. Like you know, he he kind of deserves. <laughs> hey man, justice for Howie! Justice for Howie! Come on, <laughs> Howie was like Howie was. He was gonna win. That was his day, and he did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he did. But yeah, I think that this is this is the kind of man that he is, and you do believe it, and that's mm-hmm. the thing. You believe it throughout the interactions, um, and it makes you wonder. It asks you ask an essential question, which is like, would it be different if the parties around him were different? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not, unfortunately, uh, he's not in a position to change any of that. And he's not as much as he wants to. And he does, he's not the greatest at adapting, um, within his setting and it's kind of chewing him up. Of course, because he cannot take his eyes off of owning that piece of property when he can just drop it and just figure out how to be successful with what he does have. Cause mm-hmm. he's being robbed blind left and right. I mean, he's losing hundreds of thousands of dollars all the time and you know albert brooks's character even tells him like this has to end we have to put a stop to this because we're financially bleeding next scene on here is um hitting the deer did you i know i know we've rewatched it even on my second watch i still got a jump scare dude i was still it's just out of left field yeah it, it i think by this point i was sort of like oh yeah it's the deer thing but i yeah 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 first couple times yeah it's really effective. And it's again, it, yeah, it pick, lulls you, get, you to sleep, right? Exactly. You yeah. pick you pick a moment in a movie like this and you're like, oh, Jesus, like I didn't think yeah. this was that kind of movie, yeah. <laughs> even though it said most violent year. Mm-hmm. And this is really the turn for Anna as a character. We start to mm-hmm. basically see that Abel is, is starting to become emasculated by his wife and he just doesn't have what it takes sometimes to cross the finish line to do the violence to do the things that need to be done. She gets out and he, he he's like, I'm grabbing a tire iron. And you know, if, if things go that way for him, that's a long and laborious, um, uncomfortable scene that we yeah. have to sit through. But Jessica Chastain, she just busts out that pistol and takes it to task and kills the deer. Jessica Chastain is already very beautiful, already very attractive. Mm-hmm. And when she's in charge of a gun, I'm not a gun guy. <laughs> But I'm just saying, it's pretty good, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like just the the ferocity, like you're saying. Like yes. if it had been him, like it would have been like, oh, this is sad. This, yeah, this what is a, a sad man. Scene. This is a sad scene. I'm, he's sad. I'm sad. The deer, it's all sad. Uh, but the way that she completely takes charge of the situation, of him, of the narrative, of mm. life and death, <laughs> you're yeah. just like, wow. Like she is. <laughs> it's it's a great way to add a layer for later. Um, you get an idea of what she's capable of and, and what she's, you know, it's like it's a microcosm of, of her entire arc. It's like she is the killer, you know, to to quote the great Logan Roy, Bell's <laughs> not a killer. 
Abel's <laughs> not a killer. This is now the second episode in a row that we have reverted to succession <laughs> quotes, and I feel great about it. Uh, it's a great thing to do. It's fantastic. Not a killer. Um, oh, gosh, I love that. Um, okay, next on the list, blow up about the gun. Uh, they get home, Abel freaks out, and basically Anna says, you need to protect us. You have to do this. And yeah. a big portion of this blow up is, you know, is this, do you have a permit? Is this gun legal? Like, if they catch you, do you know what will happen to us? Yeah. And these very contradicting ideas, you said that your favorite parts of the movie are when we do have these kind yeah. of intimate contradictions. I heavily agree with you. This sign, this scene is, this is really scene dynamite. Too. Yeah. This is it. This is the first time I watched it. The back and forth, the dialogue, the way it's sort of, where it's blocked, um, mm-hmm. the, the way that the anxiety builds and you're with him, but you also can see... Like emotionally, I think you're, you you want to be with him, but you you can see that he's losing control of the scene, of the interaction, and of everything that it means. She's thinking big picture, and he's not, um, even though he thinks he is, and that's that's the mm-hmm. thing about it. He thinks that they're that everyone's by the book, even though the killing of the deer should be the you know the symbolism that tells him we're not thinking by the book here, right? Um, and I, I think it's a really really good build for the dynamics that sort of carry the themes if we're looking to plus the movie um i think this is something as well worth noting of this kind of anna storyline we it it is it does take place but i think it is exceptionally intriguing when it does happen because they have such different viewpoints on things i would have loved just more i just wanted more of their interaction we get a lot of a bell with albert brooks uh brooks's character with his salespeople, with Juli, uh, Julian, his driver, yeah. like we get a lot of ancillary relationships, which are beneficial, but I think ultimately this relationship is the most fascinating in terms of what they both stand for. Um, I did want to just point out the next scene, Jessica Chastain's line reading. This was very disrespectful, mm. is iconic and incredible. After the cops raid her house during her daughter's birthday party, they hide all these boxes she knows in that moment she's kind of in charge. She she knows the direction that they want to head. And again, like, I just want more of her character. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, it is an iconic moment. And gosh, she just very owns it so well. She has <laughs> such a, <laughs> she's so, I think it's because we know that she's a sweetheart of a human being. Yeah. Uh, but she could take it to that place, man. She just, she something breaks inside of her <laughs> when she goes for these roles. She's so good. Yeah. Um, I think she got a Golden Globe nom. I oh, got to check. I, I I'd love to see that. Somebody, somebody did. Um, Chastain was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Critics' Choice and the Globes. Wow. Okay. I love that. I respect that. That's incredible. Yeah. It's probably for that line reading, honestly, because that, for that one, it's yeah, really good. It also had one. <laughs> a, it won Best Film, Best Actor, and Supporting Actress at the National Board of Review Awards. That's something. Okay. Well, yeah. that's something. I mean, I've never heard of the National Board of Reviews, but that's cool. I, well, they they've were, just unsubscribed, <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> no, we've lost a listener. Damn it. <laughs> the whole National Board. Okay, I've heard of you. I promise. I respect. I respect the opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> j- just a few more here. The double assault. Julian gets robbed. The salesman gets cat- kidnapped. Really starting to see that it is a most violent year in this situation. And then we get what's what's really the energetic peak of the movie is a bell chasing the truck, chasing the driver. And even in that moment, 
he's got the fucking driver locked in. Nobody's right. around him. He's in the middle of nowhere. He wants to know who he drives for. He's got a gun to his head. Can't pull the trigger. Won't do it. Oh. It doesn't have what it takes to be cutthroat in business, in get, being a gangster, and whatever it may yeah. be, right? And it's, it's like, you again, that's the it puts you in that checkmate where you find yourself being like, well, just shoot him. But then at mm-hmm. the same time, you're like, is that the stance that I was supposed to have? Am, yeah. am I supposed I mean, obviously we're litigating movie stances. <laughs> uh, but like the, uh, the, it, it, the morality and you wanting your character to get what he wants, knowing that he wants legitimacy, um, makes that a struggle. And But at the same time, you already chased him down. Um, you went to all that so effort. You went to all that effort. And so you've already, this is not, you know, this is not fit into your plan of I did it clean. That's over. Yeah. That's been over. Yeah. As soon as he decided to pursue that truck, I think that's a, that's a real shift for him that mm-hmm. he doesn't accept, obviously. And he tries yeah. to like recant on that and go back and say um, that, that maybe he, he didn't act that way. Um, the skimming money confession. I mentioned this. I, I love this scene. I think Oscar Isaac takes it to that kind of extra level as a bell in this and comes down on Anna and, and, basically tells her like like why would you do this to me you this this will ruin me um it does come with a very quick resolution kind of the, the next morning which i don't know if i'm necessarily a fan of i i would have liked to see this drawn out quite a bit hmm. but i um love that she thinks she's doing the best thing and yeah. because her father was a gangster she knows you got to you can't play by the rules you have to do things dirty and she does yeah, she's she's cut from a different cloth, and I think that the more that they do in this film to enhance that aspect of her character and to illustrate um, that this is this is essential for her, like this is built in, mm-hmm. that there are people that have it and there are people that don't, and and I think that making his spouse somebody that is sort of inherently corrupt or grew up in in a corrupt environment. Um, where she has inherited these lessons and this mentality, it alienates him even more. Because, like you said earlier, this is this is the person you're supposed to trust, <laughs> the mother of your children, the, the you know your your spouse, your person you're with all the time. Um, and I think that I think that's that's a really smart move. Is you know I think in a lot of different stories it would have been a partner or a mentor or somebody else, and mm-hmm. the wife is often like the victim or is, is off to the side or is, doesn't know anything sometimes. Um, and, or is just treated like a princess, you know, rich mob wife and she walks away. But for her to, to be like, no, you live with the representation of what you honestly probably should be Mm -hmm. to do what you're doing. Um, is yeah, it's an indictment of his existence. It does raise an interesting question for me. Um, how did how did they meet? Like how like what is their their backstory? Because they do mm-hmm. come from two very different backgrounds. If Abel's such a straight shooter, how how why did he think that there was a long term upside to, you know, in getting in good relations with with a kind of a gangster family? Was that his play? I I don't know. Yeah, it almost makes me wonder if, and I would have to revisit it again. I don't know if there's any throwaway lines or anything about the father, but like was Abel like early on like a driver for her dad or something mm, like that didn't yeah. know or there's lots of things that I could see uh mm. being interesting like maybe her dad was like an early investor 
or something. Yeah. Okay. Uh, things like that. I think it, it probably started in a way where maybe Abel and his infinite idealism and his like, I can fix it. Like maybe he started with her. Like I can fix her. Mm-hmm. And maybe he thought like she'd go legit if she know, never and was. The, and she never was. <laughs> she, she, you don't that's, have it, Abel. That's the thing. You're not him. <laughs> You're not him. This, <laughs> there we go. So in our eight-part series, we'll dedicate one episode to a little prequel, a little dive into their relationship, yeah. right? So that yeah. episode five, maybe? I don't know. Maybe a little earlier. It, you're exa- exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> I was like, we do the blow up. We do the fight about this giving the money, and then we flashback. Yeah, and, and then we, we figure out back. how we got there. <laughs> yeah, we, Whatever um, actress, we give her bangs. <laughs> Because that just says young. 100%. Like. <laughs> yeah. Add the bangs. You drop off 20 years. Um, yep. Last true cinema moment here I have. Very end scene. Julian just blows his brains out. He just calls it. And this is the culmination. And it works really well for me. I think it's effective of everything Abel has been fighting against. Um, mm. Julian's storyline, I think, is a little... Um, little... Um, little laborious in in yeah. terms of like how much time we spend with him I think it's like a bit undercooked like i think yeah. he needs something to he needs get yeah. me as a personality trait or something yes i totally agree but then we get to this point and and the stress and everything has gotten to him um he he kills himself on the spot shoots himself and what is the bell's first move he goes to his oil tanker that has a bullet hole that is draining oil and he stuffs it and he just tells Anna to call the cops. And I think it's beautiful and I think it's poignant and it really works for me. And I think it's a great scene. Yeah, I think it really works. I'm I'm looking at it here um, just sort of in the summary and everything. And just like the way that it immediately just becomes a small detail Mm -hmm. um, in what you assume is going to be a larger picture. Like, and he pleads too, you know, to take care of his family and everything, um, which is such an innocent, like human concern. But at that point, Abel is like, like he's cho- he's saving oil over blood. Yep. Like that, that symbolism is so powerful. Um, you're asking, you're pleading with him to take care of your family before you shoot yourself. And then he's just like, nope, I'm going <laughs> to handle good. this. Like, yeah. I think, I think at that point, Abel dies, which is the interesting thing. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like it's not trial by fire and he's destroyed and reborn as like some monster it just kind of happens so subtly <laughs> and it's more like he just abel gives up with the way that he acts in that scene um and i think that you know you, you think about these these screenplays i think it was jordan peele that said after us like you think about what is the world like 15 minutes after the movie ends <laughs> and it's like 15 minutes after this movie ends it's like I feel like a bell just becomes like a husk of a man and mm-hmm. that like this operation gets run by Anna and, and more and more increasingly. So, um, and this was the moment where I think he, he could have, I don't know what he could have done at this point, but yeah, he's, he has a series of just like, he's not, it's not like he's a passive protagonist, but he kind of is like, he makes choices, but he's sort of just like the world beats him down type protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the this is the end point. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm very curious, like what would happen the next day. Like, mm-hmm. how does this how does this reflect? And um, you know, he does have a conversation with the police chief of that political power kind of play, and I think that would be a really fun thing to explore. We just don't get there. We don't get the opportunity to do it. And like yeah. the 
the buildup is fun, but I think we end in a really interesting place where we could explore so much more and could have much more impactful stuff from Abel, from Anna, and really start to see a better power dynamic. Um, I love Albert Brooks in this movie. I think he's great kind of as like the right-hand man. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, all of the underlying details, I, I do think work pretty well. Again, like you mentioned, there's some underbaked things. Um, I like I like the score. I think there's a lot of like pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And I love the cinematography too. Bradford mm-hmm. Young, um, people listening, he did Arrival. He did uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. He did Selma. He's I love the the colors here and some of the shots. And and when you get the the suicide at the end, mm-hmm. it's just it's such a horrific moment. But the costuming and the way that it's shot and everything and, and like the blood splatter and like just like all of that it just works so well. Um, it looks so by the end, very sickly. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the, the colors. We get this really, you know, nice grimy yellow sheen kind of over everything. It seems to, mm-hmm. to make that eighties New York, um, hard industrial kind of feel. Yeah. I didn't, I did notice as well. There's a lot of blue in this movie. Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac wears a lot of blue as a bell. Um, Anna wears a lot of blue pants. Most of the time, their door to their house is very, very bright blue. Um, I didn't do any further research into that. I don't know if blue is like a mafia thing or what, but mm. I like the colors and I think it looked really good um, as a whole. You're going with the um, the blow up over the gun. Is that going to be your true cinema moment? Yeah, I'm going to pick the gun. The gun uh, argument, I think, is that's that's the clip that at the Golden Globes that year when she was yeah. nominated, I hope they played that. <laughs> I we'll have to do some research. We got to hit the archives. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm going with the skimming the money confession. That's going to be mm-hmm. my true cinema moment. Oddly enough, another intimate uh, conversation between Abel and Anna, and um, I think that's where this movie really, really does shine. I like that. I like that conversation, uh, and I and I do think it's one of the best parts of the movie, if not the best. Um, okay, we're gonna do our A1X. I know last time we did this movie, I, I think we also did Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. Um, we are going to do them again since it's been a year. Our thoughts and ideas might have changed. We might have grown attached to other projects. Um, and then we'll do Alex Ebert for the score as well, um, kind of uh, for, for what K-Fids wanted to do. So I've got Jessica Chastain here. Um, first on the list, I didn't put it on the notes, but I do just want to say it is up for contention if you want to pick it. The... Um, red carpet uh, kind of um, compatibility and chemistry that Jessica Chastain <laughs> and Oscar Isaac have, I think is worth noting and exceptionally incredible um, thing. So if you want to pick that, go ahead. Um, the tree of life, the help Texas killing fields, the color of time, zero dark 30 mama, miss Julie interstellar, a most violent year, the Martian crimson peak, miss Sloan, Molly's game, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, It Chapter 2, Ava, Scenes from a Marriage, The Eyes of Tammy Faye for what she did win a, a leading actress Oscar, um, Armageddon Time, The Good Nurse, Good Nurse, and George and Tammy. Um, what uh, What's going to be your A1 act, Alden? Uh, I, I, you know, you put the images of them on the red carpet in my mind. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> just all the credit in the world to their spouses and just <laughs> everything because my God, it's like, <laughs> They're it's just unreal. dynamite. They're yeah. dynamite in this. They're dynamite in scenes from a marriage, which we'll 
break your heart. Uh, I haven't seen it yet for that reason. I, I don't know brutal. if like I'm emotionally ready. I honestly, I honestly don't think married people should watch it. <laughs> oh, no, like, I'm out. Like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> it's it's like it's just too, especially not together. Like you, you you're like oh like like yeah. There's yeah there's there's some humor. There's some love. And there's there's you know there's some some sex. But like at the same time, it's oh my god, it's, yeah. it's brutal. Um, wow. I what a filmography. She it's so many varied performances too. Like she's the best part of things that aren't even that great. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go with. I want to go with Interstellar. I've okay. been in an Interstellar mood. Um, I think that she is just like the beating heart of that movie. Um, I I think that you know we, we everybody remembers McConaughey crying. Um, but they don't forget the other side of that scene. <laughs> you know, which is which is her and sort of like the hope that she has. It's like it's such a unique, um, meeting of heartbreak and hope in that performance. Yeah, uh, Ben is not going to be happy that you said that. I'm just going to tell you, Alden, right now. He's <laughs> not an interstellar guy. No. He won't be a fan of that. I'm um, not going on the cruise. We'll see. Not, we, this episode it, might though. never get released. Who knows? <laughs> um, I think you're yeah. right that she really is the best part of a lot of things. I can't believe she was in X-Men Dark Phoenix. I saw that movie so long ago, and I don't remember that. And I love that both of these two are in... <laughs> Inferior, yeah, inferior are, X-Men films. Bad X movies <laughs> from the later Fox era. Tough beat, tough beat. I am gonna go with uh Zero Dark Thirty. I'm kind of in a in a mood for like really harsh, um, kind of in your face movies like that. Shout out Catherine Bigelow for like making that movie. It is intense. Yeah. And without Chastain, I don't think you get the same end product. She is absolutely incredible in that movie. And, you know, again, in a, a position of power, a position of dominance, she's controlling what's going on in that film. Next up is Oscar Isaac. We've got Body of Lies, Robin Hood, Sucker Punch, Drive, 10 Years, Won't Back Down, Inside Lewin Davis, A Most Violent Year, Ex Machina, which, by the way, like, back-to-back, that's that's pretty good in terms of, like, 824 Oscar Isaac yeah. showing up in, in good things. Um, Mojave, Star Wars Episode Seven, The Force Awakens, X-Men Apocalypse, Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, Annihilation, Life Itself, Triple Frontier, Star Wars Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker, The Card Counter, Dune, Scenes from a Marriage, and Moon Knight. I know for sure Moon Knight was not out when we talked about Oscar Isaac last time. Yes. Um... What are you what are you feeling? I wish I knew what I chose last time. That's the thing. <laughs> Me I'm too. I didn't pretty, I didn't go back and look. Yeah, pretty sure Interstellar was not my choice for her, pretty sure. Mm. So I feel safe about that. On this one, you know, I'm me. Like people watching this video, I've got an attack of the clone town on. It would be so easy <laughs> for me to jump in and pick any of the sequel trilogy, particularly Last Jedi. But in for the sake of not being painfully on brand, <laughs> sure. Um I will I will pick Moon Knight. I will. I think that his performance in Moon Knight is so unbelievably good. Yeah. Um, that I, I and I love that it was a series. It needed that time. Um, but I I feel like when people are like, oh, you know, the, the future of the MCU, there's no Downey or whatever to anchor it. I'm like, I'm not saying that that character is somebody that could anchor a franchise because he's he's sort of inaccessible by design. He is an erratic presence with many personalities and there's magic and all this stuff but oscar 
makes all those choices with so much humanity in that show uh, and things that easily could have gotten out of hand, like a fake British accent, which sounds fake because it is mm-hmm. like like that's that's like the trailers for that came out. and Everyone's like, what's he doing? And people that read comics were like, well, hold on. That's that, that's, that's the how point. it is. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that. That is a fake accent. He's doing a bad one because Steven's not real. Like for him to balance all of that um, and have a third one in the, in the, at the end there with Jake, like he's just such a dynamic mm-hmm. guy. Really, really elevated everything. I agree with you. I would have chosen Moon Knight as well. For the sake of conversation, I'll, I'll, I'll choose something else. Um, I think he's sublime in, in Moon Knight. And although I wanted something a little bit different out of that series in particular, I do think his swaps between his personalities are by far and away the most intriguing part of that show and the most well done. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, I will go with ex machina actually, which is I probably what I chose last time. I almost chose drive, but I, I was going to choose it for Ryan Gosling, which is not the game here. So, um, I, I'm going to go with ex machina because he is so weird in that movie. Like he goes, yeah. he has an all night bender and then he's up, at fucking 6 a.m. working out all of his toxins. And it's like, you're up to some weird shit, dude. Like, you're yeah. just a weird guy. So, um, and I like his look in that movie a lot. I love, like, the clean, bald head with the with the glasses. I think he mm. looks really good. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go with Ex Machina. Uh, and you know what? His house in that movie? In succession, the last episode baby. of Succession. Let's go! <laughs> We're you back! Bet. We're back. The moment that Roman and Kendall walked in that house, I was like, I have rooms. been in this home before. I know where we are. And they're peering across the way and they're so like, good. Is that you? Yeah, I'm the I'm the good looking one. Yeah. So good. Perfect. It all comes back to succession, honestly. And I, I don't know. We gotta have a succession spinoff pod. Um okay, third A1 act. Alex Ebert did the score. Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. We've got Ema Robot. A Most Violent Year, All is Lost, which is another collab he did with Chandor, I'm Dying Up Here, The Truth Has Changed, and The Quiet Epidemic. Um, Honestly, I'm not a big fan of um, Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. I don't really like seek them out and listen to them. Um, I've never listened to Emo Robot, and so I'm going with The Most Violent Year. I, I think the score is really, really, really good. Yeah, I will choose... And I agree with you. I will choose again, yeah, because familiarity's sake. Um, I've missed some of these, but I have watched the first couple episodes of I'm Dying Up Here hmm. because I have heard from people, despite it getting canceled, um, from people in the stand up comedy world that it is one of the greatest depictions of that world. Um, and I will choose that. I have to go back. And watch it and uh, i'll have to check out some more music stuff because again what the, the takeaway here for me with him is just a really thoughtful composer where because mm-hmm. for them it's like they're presented with the with these films and if there's not that big beat to latch on to um then what do you do and i think that he really really thought about how to play with the fact that it's a slow burn and I think, too, that one of the most um, compelling arguments for a good score is, um, especially in this type of genre, is something that you might not necessarily um, think about. And that means that it mm-hmm. did its job. It, it's subtle. It's tone setting. It, it's direction driving. Um, 
and and this score has all of that. Um, okay, that brings us to our A24 ranking. This is your first time doing this type of ranking. Um, welcome to the to the new system. Mm. We've got A through F. You can add a plus. You can add a minus. Um, you can you can do whatever you want. What w- ranking? What grade are you uh, going to go with for a most violent year? I will go with a nice solid like B24 that's like not low enough to be minus but is right there so like an 84%. I like love it, it when you're when you're cuz I think it's like what like when you get to the 3s when they add yep. a minus. Yep. So it's like right there <laughs> like the most specific B that the I can deliver. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Down to everything. I'm, I'm punching it into my I'll my put that on computer. the notes for future. That way when you come back in another year, we know it was an 84 and not like an 84 and a half. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> that that half is everything. That half is because we didn't get just a little bit more Anna in the movie. 100% agree. And like I I hate to say it, but you know even in this genre, I, th- I think it could be beneficial, um, if not for for the gratitude of, of movie making in general. When you have two exceptionally beautiful people on screen, we should probably do a little something with that. And I, I think that would have been an interesting dynamic to explore. Again, if we got eight hours with their relationship, maybe we see some of that play out, mm-hmm. some of their intimacy, um, and how they might derive from that or push one another away or close or whatever it might be. Um, that, that could have been, that could have added the half percent. Um, I think I was actually going to go with a, a B 24 as well. Um, I upgraded Bo is afraid last week on the pod. I, I originally gave it a C 24. I upgraded it to a B. I, I'm actually going to give this a B minus 24. So I like it. I do think it's underrated. I do think it's a movie that is worth recommendation of like, Hey, I'm looking for a little bit of a thriller, a little bit of a New York crime thing. Like, what's a good thing we got going on that's not Goodfellas, that's not, you know, right. at the heart of this genre, that's not The Irishman and four hours long. Uh, I think this this really fits a lot of boxes. But again, it it is a slow burn. If that works for you, like for us, it, then it works very well. If not, I could see how this might be a drag. It might be a slog. It might be something you're not entirely invested in. Um, but in terms of, like, the A24 catalog... I do wish more people watched it, and I think I think B minus is is pretty uh pretty accurate. Do you have any closing closing thoughts on a most violent year on uh, making miniseries, writing scripts, anything crazy? Yeah, my closing thought is that I've been trying to think of who would be Anna in the great in the idea, yeah, and I just I can't think of anybody. Like it's not that it's impossible, but she's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica Chastain is one of the best to ever do it. Um, she's one of the best of her generation, surely, and uh, I I love and adore her. Uh, that's my main takeaway here: is that if you <laughs> haven't watched this and you're listening to this, we've spoiled a ton of it. Um, yep. But if you're still so inclined, go check it out for two great performances. And if A24 um, ever starts to do maybe it's like some some genre box sets, like do a crime one or, or do like A24, like the early years or something, and like. Do you like eight to ten movies? Throw this in there. Get some shine on it. Like that's a great idea. We gotta, tr- you gotta trademark this stuff, Alden. We can't be giving it away for free. I don't know. We gotta be know. careful. That's Hire a great us. idea. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Two excellent performances. A really interesting film. Um, more praise for Jessica Chastain. And quite honestly, 
I want to see Oscar Isaac more do do more genre stuff like this. I think he's mm. he's really good in this movie, and I think he embodies the, the character quite well. So, uh, yeah, check out this movie. It's definitely worth checking out if you are trying to look for something that's um, a little different in the A24 catalog, or if you're new to A24 and you're only used to, you know, the everything everywhere is all at once is, or the uncut gems. This is something of a totally different speed and a totally different lifetime, quite honestly, when it comes to A24. So it's worth checking out. Um, next week on the pod, Ben is going to be back. We're going to have another guest this time. Um, it is a new guest. We are um, covering the movie Close that was nominated for Best International Feature Film mm. at the uh, 2022 uh, Oscars. Um, this was Clayton Davis's uh, favorite movie of 2022. Good friend of the pod. Um, senior awards editor over at Variety. So that's going to be a really good episode. You don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. Um, Alden, thanks so much for coming on the pod, man. Yeah, it was man, a blast. Thanks for having me. So glad that you could come back. Uh, if if people want to find more of you, where can they do that at? Well, you can find me back here next year talking about <laughs> a most violent year. Book it in it your calendars. We're, we're going to have a spinoff called The Most Violent Years, where it's just <laughs> every every, this movie every year until we're elderly. Uh, yeah, you can find me at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z, um, and then on my Star Wars podcast, Octa Radio, as well as over on Casually Talk with Ken Knapsack, covering uh, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, Rings of Power, all the fantasy shows, um, writing for StarTrek.com here and there, a couple other things. But yeah, they'll let you know on Twitter. If it still exists. Awesome. Yeah. If it's still around by the time this uh, pod comes out, highly recommend following um, Alden, a, a great follow on Twitter. Honestly, Alden, you, um, you help me stay grounded in my um, overly emotional film Twitter takes that mm. people just rile me up about. So I appreciate that. Thanks for, I, you know, I try. I don't know how I'm grounding, but I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you are. Take, you know, it's it's the magic of Alden. Um, yes, thanks so much for coming to the pod. What are your thoughts of a most violent year? Let us know on Twitter or Instagram. We are at 24 minutes of A24. Um, been tweeting out some good stuff recently. Um, some great screen grabs from our podcast of um Ben saying he didn't like Bo's Afraid and me just like freaking out and absolutely <laughs> losing it. Fun stuff. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our channel on YouTube where you can actually watch us. You can see us have this conversation um, in real life and generally can tune into Ben's really good shirts. He always he always picks a good shirt. So um, yeah, tune in for that. Go subscribe. Don't miss the pod. Um, and yeah, come back next week as we uh, cover Close. I'm Ethan Simi. Spring break forever, bitches. 